doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's special guest is Demelza Campbell. She's going to tell us all about how she helped her parents pay off over $85,000 of debt in retirement. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. I hope you're doing well. Shout out to all the amazing mothers and mother figures. I know we just came off of Mother's Day this past Sunday. God bless all the amazing mothers out there. And today's episode is just oh so timely. Many of us millennials have parents who are getting up there in age and money still remains a taboo topic. But our guest today has broken those barriers down. Demelza Campbell, aka The Money Moxie Kid, is the CEO and founder of Parental Wealth, a personal finance and lifestyle blog dedicated to talking money and building wealth with retired parents. Using her proven system, she helped her own retired parents pay off more than $85,000 in debt in less than five years. She is dedicated to helping kids, which stands for key independence drivers, learn how to reframe their parents' retirement to be financially independent, create intergenerational wealth, and age powerfully with their own money. And y'all, I am just forewarning you, this episode is so, so, so good. So if you're enjoying this content, feel free to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I am so very grateful that you decided to tune in with me today. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome, DC family. We have a special guest with us today. We have Mr. Melza. Yay! <laughs> like, I'm thinking of like a different intro for guests, but I just like that little, you know, I mean, applause, applause. I'm here for it. Right? <laughs> I'm here for it. Yay! Hi! <laughs> right? Well, thank you, Demelza. For your time today, you know, how you feeling? Feeling good? Feeling great? I'm feeling great. You know, we bypassed the snowstorm. So, you know, uh, the Northeast got that, the Mid-Atlantic, you know, DMV, we got like four inches. I'm good. <laughs> oh, yeah, same here. We got, ooh, some places in Chicago got like about 12 inches. Yeah. Around my house, know. about eight. The color vortex is coming for y'all again. Yep, it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, minus 30 degrees? Man. I mean, ma'am. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> So Demelza, you have an absolutely fascinating story. So we're first going to talk about, you know, how you helped your parents, how we can talk to our older parents about money. So what was that aha moment for you? When did you decide to become financially literate? (laughs) Sure. So, I mean, my first foray into financial literacy actually came when I was laid off in 2009. Uh, I got laid off in the Great Recession. And when that happened, you know, I had been living all of my greatness, okay? Like, you know, because I had a job, I had income, so I had little store credit cards, I had all of these great things, but what I didn't have was savings. (laughs) And so when I got laid off, um, I ended up going to a very good friend, uh, who's still my good friend. She actually gave her daughter my name, which is 
another story, right? <laughs> so middle name though, but it's okay. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, so when I went to her, I pretty much decided in that moment to just be very transparent and just open my books. I gave her access to all of my bank accounts. I was like, here are my statements. Here's, uh, you know, how much money I'm getting from my company uh, with the layoff because they did give me a package. They did give me access to COBRA benefits and they did give me, um, of course, I got my vacation time, right? And because I didn't take a lot of vacation. So I had a lot of time. And her being the wonderful individual that she was on the side, she would help friends and family because she had her own uh, issues with finances and credit cards at one point. So she looked at my account and she was like, look, you can live. We can keep you in your apartment for another six months at the very least. We can even give you a little bit of money so that you can go shopping because I don't think you should just stop cold turkey. It'll never work. You can keep going to the gym. She was like, girl, we got away. You can make it. And that budget actually ended up being my lifeline for 11 months when I was laid off and unemployed. So that was my first real introdu- real introduction to a budget and how to finance, uh, excuse me, not finance myself, but yeah, to a certain extent, finance myself without necessarily going into debt. I still was able to pay off my credit cards or pay down my credit cards even while on unemployment and paying for COBRA. And so anybody who's been unemployed and paying a COBRA, which was about $600 a month at the time, uh, I don't think the price has gone up. You know, that's some real stuff. You know, you got a measly little check every week. You paying Uncle Sam. I always paid (laughs) the taxes because I did not want to pay the taxes later. It was, that was like my first introduction to finances. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, quite a few people had that turn in the 08, 09, and then, you know. (laughs) 08, 09 wrecked everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody was really safe. I mean, similar to what we're kind of experiencing right now, right? In this, uh, you know, era of, you know, COVID, so to speak, it's literally left no no stone unturned to a certain extent. So if you didn't learn from 08, 09, and then you come here and you're dealing with this right now, well, then, you know, you got, you got challenges, you know what I mean? And for some people, they didn't learn. And, and I'm not going to uh, take that away from them because I think that life, you know, comes at you fast <laughs> and you have to make your own decisions as to what you're going to do. And sometimes we, you know, we rise to the occasion and sometimes we trip, but as long as we get back up, that's all that really matters. And that is so awesome. Yeah. That you had a friend that you could trust to really like, Hey, here's mm-hmm. everything you know, friends and family. Absolutely. That's so great that you had that lifeline. So um, on the line of like friends and family. So like what role did your grandma play along with your, uh, in your financial journey? Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, um, it, it's kind of unfortunate, but the role that my grandmother played, like, let me just explain something. First, I never called her grandma. I always called her Nana. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> like, my Nana was like my first best friend. She was the one that would be like, you know, hey, let's go fishing. And we would sneak off and go fishing or go crabbing. And it's not even like we talked a lot, right? It was just being in her presence. That was just this beautiful thing, this beautiful, vibrant, independent woman, right? Just wanted to sneak off with little old me and go fishing and hang out, right? And that was such an amazing experience with me. But one thing that I noticed with my grandmother, with Nana, was she was constantly taking care of other people, right? We, like, 
any other black family. And I don't think there's any black family that's really untouched by this, you know, especially middle-class uh, black families. We have had to always kind of give back either in terms of giving back uh, money to extended family to make sure that folks are supported or providing space for ex extended family because, you know, stuff happens. A lot of this stuff has just kind of been due to a lot of systematic uh, racism and injustice in terms of, you know, the Black American, uh, you know, history and experience. Because uh, I want to make that distinction because everybody is not the same across the diaspora, but in terms of Black American experience, We've had to always gather our money, our little bit of meager money and support family. So what happened with my grandmother is she took in a lot of her grandchildren, right? And that was a certain level of stress. And I saw that she went from somebody who used to travel, right? She used to go to Alaska, California, Canada, you know, take cruises, all of this stuff to she didn't go fishing anymore. She was always in the house just trying to figure out how to take care of family. That's what I grew up seeing, you know, and then also the experience of I've always felt that I lost my grandmother too soon uh, to uh, health issues. You know, she had a stroke when I was in college and you that really always affected me that I felt that she wasn't necessarily taken care of as well as she took care of others. So when I saw that and I saw what was going on with my parents, my first thought was, wait a minute, you <laughs> are you going to like, are you going to like have a stroke because you're dealing with this stress? Like, are you going to leave me? before you're you know, way too early, like, no, you need to be like 90 years old out here looking fly and being with me, like, so that we can take trips and have this wonderful time. You need to meet your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, and that's just something that really resonated with me when I found out about my own parents. That's just, I don't, I didn't want you to die. You know, I didn't want them to die uh, early because of money stress. And I certainly didn't want them to retire just to wait and die, which is also something that tends to happen as well with folks who go from working and having like this dedicated life to having nothing or feeling like they have nothing and no purpose. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is, oh, that is so good because that story resonates with a lot of us. Man, mm -hmm. we give and we give and we give at our own demise, like until we are literally yep. depleted physically, spiritually. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So then when you kind of had this moment of realization with your Nana, and then you kind of shifted and looked at your own parents, like, wait, hold on. I'm seeing some right. patterns. Right. So then how, how did you even begin to, how, how do like us, right? <laughs> us millennials, <laughs> how do we even begin to talk to our, you know, I've, I've been your age, but you haven't been my age type of parents. How do you even begin these conversations? Right. So, um, you know, I use what my parents give me all the time, right? So <laughs> I know that my parents, I know that my mom, she's been very upfront. I want you to be independent. I want you to be able to take care of yourself, right? And I think a lot of moms say this, especially to their daughters. I want you to be able to do your own thing. I want you to live your life, right? I literally turn that right back around on her. And I'm like, well, I want you to live longer, lady. Like, what you doing? You know, like, 
I want you to live your life. I want you to be financially independent. I want you to have all the things that maybe you never got to have because you had to give it to me and my brother. You had to give it to your husband. You had to give it to God. You had to give it to everybody else except giving it to yourself. And that is what I want for you. And that's honestly uh, one of the, the key things that I tell anybody is, you know, how transparent and vulnerable are you willing to get with your parents here? You know what I mean? Are you willing to really talk to them from a place of love and respect, right? And let them know like, nope, this is unacceptable. <laughs> because what it means is that you're A, not gonna be able to do the things that you should be able to do in retirement. Like if you weren't able to do it while you were working and you weren't able to do it when you were a young adult and you weren't able to do it when you became a parent and you weren't able to do it all, you know, these different stages of adulthood, how are you also not able to do it in retirement when literally this is supposed to be your rest? This is supposed to be your, your quote unquote golden years, right? And so if you can't do it then, and you're not going to be able to do it now, then wait a minute, what's this life supposed to be worth? Like, you know, you're just supposed to, you know, wither away? Nah, that's not happening on my watch, bro. I, yes. yes. <laughs> I literally told my mom and dad that. I was like, that's not happening with me. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So did the majority, first of all, paying off $85,000 worth of debt is impressive at any age, but did... The majority of the debt come from homes or you know lifestyle or where did it come from oh my gosh no it was listen when you talk like the holy grail perfect storm kind of situation it is that is 100 like my parents so you get your pen and paper out whoever's listening get your pen and paper out right okay so this is what it is my parents owe taxes in two states two because, so you remember this whole, or everybody kind of knows this whole, oh, you retire, you sell your house and you move and buy a new house, right? Like that's kind of been like the mantra about retirement for like the last 20, 30 years. Well, hey y'all, ain't nobody finna talk about these taxes that come out of moving to a new state, leaving your other state, you know what I mean? Buying a new house, you know what I mean? The cost of buying a new house, uh, that was another thing. We'll get into that too. They ended up um, cracking open a 401k early, okay? Oh, okay? Before the age of 59 and a half. Let's talk about this. <laughs> and they ended up owing Uncle Sam. Now, when you look at it in retrospect, I understood why they felt the need to do it. But had I known at the time, had I been like even an ounce, had an ounce of awareness, I would have done everything in my power for them not to do it. You know what I mean? But again, I'm the kid, right? So I didn't know everything. So they owed Uncle Sam. So the IRS came a calling. Okay. Yes. They also kept spending like they were working their full-time jobs. All of their little credit cards that they had, they kept spending on it. Let me tell you, these store credit cards, these warehouse credit cards. The worst. Ooh, the worst. I hate them. Oh I hate them. These warehouse credit cards. Like, look, I am a full-on Costco member. I love Costco. You go in there, you just like, oh, I too can have 50 croissants <laughs> for the next 
three weeks, right? And put it in the freezer. We're Black people. We love freezing things. Amen. Black Americans, yes. we definitely freeze mm-hmm. just about everything, right? Got the second freezer tucked away somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, right? So uh, I remember having a, a conversation with my mom about the, you know, the warehouse credit card. I'm like, why are you putting money on this warehouse credit card? Oh, well, you know, I get gas. Yes, I understand that you get gas, but why are you using the warehouse credit card? Oh, well, like 5% back. And I was like, let's do some math. <laughs> that 5% is not worth the amount of interest that you're paying on this credit card. You know what I mean? So they had that. And then here's the last thing that ended up happening. My parents maintained the same money structure at the day that they got married, all right? When they decided, oh, well, dad does the taxes and mom does the everyday budgeting and that didn't change for 40 years, okay? So what ended up happening was my dad is out in these streets like, hey, life is good. I only have to deal with the finances once a year. (laughs) And my mom is over here like, well, wait, we have to pay for this and this. And oh, he spent money on this and I need to go and move this money over here. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys haven't changed anything in 40 years? Like you didn't, you didn't, you know, and at the time it wasn't 40 years, right? Well, was it? Hold on, I'm trying to think. Was it 40 years? This was seven years ago and they just hit their 45th anniversary. So it was like 38 years, you know what I mean? And so I was like, I think we need to make some adjustments because there are different things going on now. So it was like this perfect storm of, you know, owing money, spending money the same way that they used to, um, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, changing things. And oh yeah, last thing, they still have family who needed support financially. We're still over here. It's, it, you know, it's the black tax, right? We're still over here giving money to family who might somehow be in dire circumstances. And one, I am not going to poo-poo any of that. I don't know if I can say poo-poo on Yeah, you can, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to poo-poo any of that because, hi, I was laid off for almost a year. And my parents might not have given me straight up cash, but they helped me. They helped me a lot. And I remember that. So when you have so much of a perfect storm of, things, you know what? You accrue debt. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like a triple whammy, but it's so common. Oh my gosh. So you finally like sit your parents down and you're like, y'all this, I love you, but this is a mess. Right. So then, (laughs) so then how do you even go about formulating a plan? They've been doing the same thing for decades. How do you even get them to start a plan and create a plan with them and then get them to even Mm -hmm. stick with it. Right. So let me make sure I tell everybody who is out here listening, um, you know, I had no idea at first. Uh, I'm going to be very honest. In the very beginning, I was incredibly overwhelmed. (laughs) I had visions of my, you know, me moving in with my parents to add my income to theirs so that they would not be destitute, right? Like elder poverty is actually a thing, y'all. Yes, it like is. Like it's real, okay? And we don't pay enough attention to it because <clears throat> I think, uh, especially in America and capitalistic societies, right? It's c- this kind of whole economic survival of the fittest. Either you did a good job or ah, sucks to be you. <laughs> and 
I think culturally, when we look at um, Black culture in comparison to that, we are much more collaborative. We are much more like, how are we taking care of our family and making sure that everybody's good, not sitting here and kind of, you know, letting them sit out in the cold. I knew that when I found out that they were in so much debt, I got in incredibly overwhelmed and very scared. Uh, I could literally see my footloose and fancy free single life flying out the window and going, <laughs> and going by the wayside. But I also was very determined that they not experience what my Nana experienced. So the first thing that I did was I was like, okay, what was my experience back in 2009? I opened the books. Okay, I need to see all the books, <laughs> like everything. I need to see the statements, bank statements, credit card statements. I need to know how you've been spending your money. I want to know all of your credit cards, period. Like, I'll just give it. I want to know credit unions. I want to know every mattress that you have stuffed with money. I need to know exactly how much money is in there. <laughs> and so that was that was my recourse at the time. Like, you know, you gotta remember seven years ago, we didn't have a lot of the resources that we have here. We did not have a lot of the podcasts to talk about these, these types of situations. We didn't have uh, the resources. Yeah, there were blogs, but that wasn't my go-to at the time. My go-to was, okay, well, what was my experience? Okay, well, my good girlfriend, she looked at my books and came up with a budget for me. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at your books and I'm going to come up with a budget for you. Cause there's no way my parents were going to let my good girlfriend look at their books. They just weren't going to do it. So it had to be me. That is awesome. Yeah. Just taking that framework that you used back in 09 and then just using it, you know, for your parents. And so your parents are on board. They say, okay, we got it. We're doing this. We're paying off this debt. What was the biggest barrier for your parents? Um, if I'm being honest, I think the biggest issue was me. You know, like, so the biggest issue was me. I, you know, I, I am what I like to call a reformed force of nature. <laughs> I, um, you know, I tend to, at that time, I tended to have like this way of being that said that, you know, um, if you got a problem, I'll fix it, but you're going to do it my way. You know, and it, it's a very, <laughs> it's not very collaborative in nature. <laughs> it's more of a directive, you know, and as I got older and got more experience and dealt more and more with this, I realized that it was my defense mechanism. It was my, I'm going to do whatever I can to control my environment to make this as successful as possible because failure is not an option, right? So the biggest barrier was, you know, the first two years, it was very much, you're going to do what I say, and I'm going to track every bit of your movement. And there's no, you, you cannot get off of this path or this plan. If you do, I'm going to know, and we're going to have a talk and it's going to be not a very nice talk, right? It kind of brought in this whole idea of, well, you know, I'm the parent now, right? Look at me. You see me? I'm the captain. No. <laughs> you know, it's just, I had that moment in my life. Like, I am the parent. And um, it made it difficult. I actually think that it made it more difficult for them to get on board because they're looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, we would have 
you know, discussions and sometimes straight up arguments about how they were managing their money. And to me, it was like, well, I'm just trying to do my best. And I'm just, you know, if you just do what I say, you'll be good. (laughs) And it it was so funny because I actually had this moment where my parents were like, no, we're not doing what you say. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, I drove home because my parents live a couple hours away from me. So I drove home. And I called my good girlfriend, like, and you got to understand, like, my parents love my girlfriend. She is the adopted daughter. Okay. And she's like, look, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Campbell are not (laughs) going to sit here and just do (laughs) what you say. And when we had that conversation, it was like this aha moment for me (laughs) because it was like, I can't make anybody do anything. I just can't like it'll it'll maybe last for a while, but it won't stick. You know, it won't. Uh, they have to buy into it. They have to believe that it works. They have to understand and see the results of their efforts. And if they're not seeing it, it doesn't matter what I say or do. It, it's not, you know, going to resonate. And so when I had that conversation with her, I ended up changing my tactics and focused on coaching as opposed to telling what to do. It was like, so what do you want? Not what do I want? It's important for me to know what you want because I'm here for you, not for me. Okay, so Demelza, I was laughing to tears because (laughs) that is me. And I'm working on hey. it, right? <laughs> Literally, like I just, you know, it is my way or the highway, and I, I am actively working on this. Because with that answer, I expected you to say like, oh, like you know, they still want to spend the same way that they wanted to, or you know, something of that nature. But it takes a lot of humility and self reflection to say, hey, it is me. So I am wondering, what role did emotional intelligence play in this entire process? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I am actually a certified emotional intelligence coach, but I actually didn't get certified until this past year. Here's a funny thing, right? That's funny. Uh, (laughs) Emotional intelligence is really the ability to understand, use, and manage your own emotions, right? So a lot of people look at emotional intelligence like, oh, well, I'm going to do this so I can use it with you. And I'm going to tell you what is missing from you and your emotions. And it's like, no, ma'am, it's all about you focusing on yourself and then being able to really kind of leverage or manage your emotions in a way that supports whatever situation that you're in, right? So when you're talking about parents, the first step is not really them, it's actually you. Because I'm gonna tell you this right now, if you think that you are not carrying some emotional weight and baggage from dealing with your parents and growing up with your parents across, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're lying, okay? We all carry something and I am no different. I, uh, you know, grew up you know, I would say with fairly liberal parents, but the way that they chose to uh, execute and implement some of these things really, you know, stuck with me and I carried a lot of it for years. And you have to find a way to kind of let that go 
so that you can have a conversation with them and see them as people and have empathy for who they are and who they were when they made those decisions, right? Otherwise, it's going to be a situation you're like, well, look, I know this better than you because I read all of these books and I listen to this podcast. And so therefore, you just need to do what I know you need to do so that we can just go ahead yes. and do this, right? Right, no. right. <laughs> that don't really work. <laughs> I don't really work. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's really about being able to carry on a conversation you know, and one in which you're able to relieve the stress, not add more stress, right? One in which you're able to overcome challenges and also diffuse conflict. I'm gonna tell you right now, and look, everybody's not built for Cuban links, which is part of the reason as to why I put up a coaching program. Cause I'm like, look, everybody's not built for this. <laughs> but I had situations where I had a diffused conflict between my parents. My parents have been married for years. They are not getting divorced. They love each other, but that doesn't mean that they don't have conflict. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that they don't have certain ways of being that they have developed over years, being married, being single, having children together. And also throughout all of that money, you know what I mean? And so recognizing that my dad has certain habits, certain things that he loves to do. My mom has habits, certain things that she loves to do. There were times where I had to say, okay, well, you both love these things. Where can we compromise? Where can we come together? You know what I mean? Because I don't want to say don't do X. I want to say, how can we do it, but not do it so much that you have to worry about your finances? You know what I mean? And that has been really key because there have been points where budgets have been busted. Oh, listen, busted, torn down, murdered, straight up murked. Budgets have been ugh, killed. And I really had to go in and be like, so dad, hey. <laughs> He's like, hi, baby. <laughs> oh, I can see that you had a good time with this. And he was like, mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm. I'm like, so, um, what do you think? And he's like, maybe did a little more than I needed to. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. How are you gonna fix that? Well, I'm gonna take the money from this and, and he'll just start telling me, right? Because that's how we've started. That's really what we focused on was creating better habits. Just because you're creating a better habit doesn't mean that you're not gonna have a situation where you backtrack. You know what I mean? And I love my parents for that, right? Like we are real human beings. They are real human beings. They are not going to be these perfect superheroes that I think that we all think a parent is supposed to be. They're human. And so once you start seeing them as humans and individuals and not that you're a mommy and daddy, right? Who've always been your mommy and daddy forever. <laughs> it really, it really allows you to have that space to manage your emotions and be able to go into conversations with emotional intelligence so that you're checking yourself so that you can be able to really support your parents. I love that coaching over telling, like, I think I want that on a shirt or something like that. I'm is. about to put that on a shirt. Yeah. Don't, no, yes. Don't I'll buy it. <laughs> I will buy it. Yes. <laughs> but this is part of the reason why I was like, yo, I am, I feel so pulled to do this. I even talked to my parents about this, right? I was like, yo, I want to talk about this to other people. Like, I feel like this is important. And my mom and dad were like, you need to do it. My dad 
this is my dad is a Southern black man, right? Like, and anybody who knows Southern black men, they don't really talk a lot until they're around their boys. Then they talk a lot, but <laughs> they, don't, they don't really talk a lot. They're like, mm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm. That's like the gist, right? But it's a lot of love there. But he was like, this was such, this experience was such an important experience to have. He was like, I feel so good knowing, knowing that I don't have to worry. He was like, you have to talk about this. And I was like, okay, I have your permission. I'm going to talk about it because it's, I think it's so important to, to do. I think it's important for me. Like, where do you think the money's going to come from if something happens with mom and dad? Okay. Damn, it's coming from me. So it's like, I, now I don't have to worry about it. They got their money and I'm like, we good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? It's so beautiful, actually. So they saved up for a new TV. <laughs> Let me give you an example. They saved up for a new TV and they gave me the budget and I helped them because, you know, I'm the daughter. I helped them, you know, figure out which TV to get. Um, but what was glorious was that they decided to upgrade from the TV that was within the budget, Right. And I was like, oh, really? And they were like, yes, but this is how we did it. We took money from here, money from here, okay? And we put it together and that's how we paid for it. I was like, oh, okay. He was like, we're good. We discussed it. We made sure that we were able to cover it. It did not go on a credit card. I was like, I'm a happy girl, you know? So, So that's a really good example of like the life that they live right now is they're very focused on making sure that their debt never grows out of control again. I think they maybe got like $3,000 of debt, like, you know, and that's because they decided to invest in the house. You know what I mean? And so, or excuse the lawn, I think it was a lawn because, you know, black men in their lawns got to be golf green, buddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But (laughs) to me, that's still good, right? Because it invests in their home, you know? Um, they discuss finances much more freely. It's checking in with each other to figure out, hey, is this something that we can do? If it's not, what's the timeline for us to be able to do it? It is having the knowledge that they don't have to work unless they want to work. It is not a requirement. And I think we all know, like, look, nothing against the Walmart greeter, nothing. If that is what you want to do, I am for it. You should be up there. You got all of your pins on and you are happy as a lark. But if you have to do it because you don't have enough income to be able to make decisions to buy both food and medicine, you have to make a choice between one or the other, like that's a problem for me. That is like a disservice to our elders. And knowing that my dad, you know, he had a little part-time job, you know, pre-COVID that he enjoyed. He drove buses. He is like, he loves it, loves it. This man has always driven like a bus at some point or a van or a little something. And he's always loved it. But when COVID happened and a lot of, you know, travel came to a halt, even with buses, right? Tours, all of that stuff. It wasn't a situation where he was reliant on the money. My parents weren't reliant on that money for their income. It was a situation of where they said, oh, okay, well, we're not working and that's okay because we have our retirement income, we're covered, we're not overextended, we're good to go.
you know, just having the money to have the money. It's about options, the freedom to choose. That's what it's all about. Oh man, Demelza, you've dropped just all of the gems. There's so many actionable things, especially for me, because I really like identify. <laughs> yes. And I know that a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, identify with so much of your story. And so looking back what, with um, with your parents' journey, is there anything that you would have changed about it? Anything that I would have changed. I think the first thing that I would have done is I would have asked for more help. So, right, like I got the good girlfriend who helped me, right, and gave me advice. I think maybe throughout the whole thing, I talked to her four times about what was going on with my parents because I also still maintain that whole, we're not supposed to talk about other people's money right? Within the culture, it was like, no, I'm breaking a rule. If I tell her too much, you know what I mean? About this situation. So I've got to handle it. And that meant taking on a lot of pressure and a lot of weight and really holding that up myself. You know what I mean? Um, I think I would have asked for more help because I just, I did, I just didn't have any idea of what I was doing. <laughs> I just knew that I had to do something like not knowing was not a good enough reason to not try, you know, if that made sense. It was like, I will learn as I go along, but I've got to start because this can't get worse. I think another thing was, I wish I had started talking money with my parents earlier, like throughout my history with my parents, we always kind of talked a little bit about money, but never the details, right? Like they trusted me enough to say, Hey, what do you think? but never trusted me enough to say, well, here's the details behind it. And I think I wish that we had established earlier as a family that it's okay to talk about money and it's okay to share when we are doing good and when we're not doing so good so that we can make adjustments as a family. Uh, you know, we laugh about it today, <laughs> but the first two years of being that force in nature was very hard. It was very hard. Like the arguments, the discussions, the, you know, hey, I'm going to go to my room and take a break. You go to your room and take a break because we're not talking right now because, you know, I just, you're not doing what I tell you to do. Today, we laugh about it. We joke about it all the time. Like it's ridiculous because we know what to do. We come in, we have our meeting for approximately one hour and a half. We make sure that we are fully fed before we have the meeting. We start the meeting with a joke. My dad takes the notes. My mom has the data. Like literally everybody has a job. You know what I mean? We have it down to such a science, but it would have been great to um, not have to go through those painful moments because I think that that kept us from coming together a lot faster as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love that structure too. You know, you start off with a joke oh, yeah. and then fed. That oh, is important. Oh no, we crack jokes all the time, all the time. Now, you know, we talk great stuff. We have full breakfast. We make sure that we're not going in hungry. We try, we go to bed early the night before, especially if it's a longer meeting, say if it's a day long meeting, cause we're doing like a, uh, an annual kind of meeting. We have annual meetings and quarterly meetings. You know what I mean? And so annual meetings are like, no, we're, we're looking at it all. <laughs> like what needs to be changed? What do we need to do? And when we do that, it's, it's very important to have structure. I, otherwise, you know, you're lacking in consistency and you want to be consistent with your parents. Absolutely. 
Oh my gosh, yes, that was so good. We are going to sort of get into the wrap up questions. So okay. the first one is, Demosa, what is your current favorite piece of advice or current mantra that you're living by right now? Okay, so so I yeah, not gonna lie, I listened to the podcast, and so I paid attention. Okay, <laughs> when you asked these questions, I was like, let me you know do some homework. So I did try and think about this in advance. You know what I mean? And just in terms of, um, you know, something that I'm really on two things I'm on right now. So Arthur Ashe, uh, famous tennis player, you know do some research, you know, Ash Stadium in New York for the New York o Open, you know, huge. He, he said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You know, there are always going to be points. One thing that I always hear from people is that they're scared. They have a fear of having this conversation. And for me, it's like, you got to start. You just, you have to just go in and start. You don't want to rush through there like a bull in a china shop, but just start where you are. You know, you even something as simple as saying, you know what, mom, I want to talk to you about something important, but I'm scared. I'm scared because you might not hear me. And I want you to really hear me. I'm telling you, that's going to have impact, right? The second thing uh, is one of my favorite books in the whole wide universe, literally have read this three times, um, James Clear, Atomic Habits. You know, he has a quote where he says, to simplify before you understand the details is ignorance. To simplify after you understand the details is genius. And I'm going to tell you right now, that thing is like a guide for me because I am, I am like numero, numero, you know, number one for shoot from the hip, right? Like I will be like, pew, pew, I know the answer. I got it. And <laughs> it's, it's literally like a process to say, wait, can I ask more questions? Let me ask better questions. Let me probe a little bit. Let me make sure I have a much better understanding of the details. Because when I have a better understanding of the details, I can come up with a much better answer than just going off of the top of the dome piece, right? And like, oh, here it is, problem solved, talk to you tomorrow. No, it's not, that's not how it works, no not how it works at all so those are kind of the two things that really uh guide me and especially with uh you know start where you are especially this year I feel like this year has been such a refresh and a restart a huge restart for so many people we've been blessed to still be here you know um I've had uh lots of my family I know that there are definitely losses in other people's family and I'm like just start where you are oh that was so so good oh my gosh so I, that was just good I'm just like I'm kind of like it's like sitting and I'm like, Take it in. Take <laughs> and like it I'm in. absorbing <laughs> <laughs> all right well the second question to Melza it's a little lighter one it's what's your favorite food or drink sure so listen right now I'm on this whole kick of flatbread pizza I learned how to make my own mushroom spicy mushroom flatbread pizza with prosciutto mm -hmm. yeah I've been eating that like regularly and it shows but I've been enjoying myself <laughs> and that matters to me um I also love a uh certain red wine that is a blend blended red wine um but you know I've had to give that up for a little while because you know you know sometimes you need to drop the wine a little bit <laughs> right 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 <laughs> but I do enjoy it <laughs> right <laughs> that's what's up all right. And then the last question is, what do you want to be remembered for? 
Okay. Whew. Yeah. So I actually had to really think about that one. Right. Like I said, I listened to your last podcast. I was like, you ain't going to catch me tripping. <laughs> no. But <laughs> I was, yeah, no, I do my homework. Right. <laughs> so what do you want to be remembered for? You know, um, yeah, I want, because <laughs> it's hard to say, what do you want to be remembered for? Especially when you're raised to be very like humble and not, you know, be out there. But I think what I want to be remembered for is changing how we look at talking about money with loved ones, that it is not disrespectful, that it is the height of respect, the highest level of respect to ensure that your family is financially secure and that your family does not just start with your kids, right? It doesn't just start with like your spouse. It also includes your parents. And so that to me is culture. That to me is the culture. It's black culture. You know, it's not about survival of the fittest. That is colonizing culture, right? I want to bring us closer to who we know we are and for us to capitalize off of that. And the best way to do that is to really talk about money early, often, and consistently with not just our kids, but absolutely with our parents. Their financial security or financial situation is going to impact us, which will then impact our kids. And I need people to start to realize that. So I want to be remembered for that. I'm going to give you a slow clap. That that was so good. That is so true. Talking about money is the highest form of respect. I love that. Highest form of respect. Why, do, why does it have to be disrespectful to talk about money? Like, who said that? Nah, we're not doing it. Absolutely, we're not doing that. We switching it up in 2021. So, Demelza, where can the people find you? Well, listen, you know what? I Look, I want you to know that you can find me on parentalwealth.com. I have my website right now. I have a wait list for the Kid Academy. So, this is the Key Independence Driver Academy. Kid, ha-ha. <laughs> <So, laughs> coaching program. I, you know, and I'd love to be able to notify folks when it is live and ready to go. You can also find me at uh, hello at parentalwealth.com. So I, you can find me by emailing me as well. I love talking to folks. And then you can also find me on um, Instagram at parental underscore wealth. All right. And so those are the primary areas that I am in. Um, I create a lot of content for Instagram, but I've started pulling back just a little bit so I can make sure that I'm building my program just right. And, you know, finding other forces of nature out there, such as yourself, that are like, no, 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 you're going to do it my way, or you're going to hit the highway. And then when they are walking on the highway, you by yourself, you, you got nothing. Okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, I really, really appreciate, I just really appreciate being here, you know, on Dem Coins. Like, first of all, I love the name. Appreciate Dem it, Coins. appreciate it. <laughs> And I've had such a great time, but you know, that's how you can find me. I love talking to folks. I would love to see people be in this coaching program. I know that it is a transition, right? I know it's a process. I know that you want to get to a point where your parents are running their money and not letting their money run them, right? Like this ain't players club. We are not out here to let 
Let me, I know. I see. I know. <laughs> it's okay. We all watched it. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but you know, it, you, you cannot let your money make you. You've got to make your money. You know what I mean? And the retirement income is no difference, right? If you're not managing it properly, it's going to run you, right? Like you're not, you're going to have less or your parents are going to have less, which then means you are going to have less. So I really want folks to have the opportunity to have these conversations with their parents. And I want to be the one to help them do it. Oh, fantastic, Demelza. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was such a fantastic episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Listen. Mm-mm-mm. Listen, y'all, I know we were kikiing quite a bit, but weren't those gems good? I mean, wow, wow, wow. I really feel like she is my sister from another Mister. We were just vibing. And she, man, Jim, Demelza just dropped so many gems. So my major two takeaways was towards the end when she said talking about money is the highest form of respect. And I just thought, wow, if we could all just like change our mindsets to think like that, I mean, man, how much further along would we be? And then the also other key takeaway, which I'm guessing you guys can probably tell from the way the podcast episode was going, was when I asked her about what was the biggest hurdle with helping her parents pay out debt. And she said me, and I was like, ooh, I felt that. I really felt that. Because sometimes when you start learning all these different financial concepts, you can get a little snarky sometimes with your, your elders, your, your family members, whoever. You can get a little snarky. And sometimes you really have to check yourself and coach instead of tell. So I hope this episode helps you. I hope it encourages you. If you have parents who maybe, you know, made some financial uh, decisions that didn't necessarily lead them to the best financial place, I hope these tips helped you to better navigate these, uh, these difficult but very necessary conversations. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email. Hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.